In the future, roving bands of comic book podcasts will savage the wasteland, once known as the internet. One podcast, the Grawlix podcast, may not be the biggest, may not be the funniest, may not be the most well-spoken. Wait, what was my point again? Oh yes, the Grawlix podcast. Listen to it at GrawlixPodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast.com. To an all new episode of Moose's Monster Mash, the show that knows sometimes dead is better. I'm your host, Moose. Joining me today is a good friend of mine who's into horror, into haunts. We're going to talk about what happens when you don't leave the dead alone. So, to talk about Stephen King's uh, Pet Cemetery, please allow me to introduce my good friend, murderous Mikey Taylor. Hey, how's it going, Moose? It's going good, going good. How's it? How's it going with you? Hot season's up. Yeah, hot season's uh, kicked off, and that's why I don't have a voice. So I do apologize for that. I'm trying to nurse it with some hot tea and the the magic elixir here. You know, hot tea and cough drops. Throw a little whiskey in, you're good to go. Uh, not me. He <laughs> <laughs> suggested I stop that years ago. Yeah. So. But yeah, uh, you know, it's just a great time of year. I try to live Halloween year round, but this is the only time of year I really get away with, you know, doing it in public, I guess. It's it's a time of year where they don't really look at people like us crazy. Right. We're, right. we're, we're allowed to let our Halloween freak flags fly without being yeah. just that weirdo that, oh, you you like to dress up and scare people. Yeah, and it's the middle of summer. <laughs> yeah. Halloween's fun, and they 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 were trying to take it away this year. We're taking it back. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, you can't really take it away. It's it's a spirit, you know. It, even if uh, even if they said you can't go door-to-door trick-or-treating or you can't, you know, have the parties, you can't kill the spirit. So the real Halloween fans are going to find a way, even if it's, you know – having kids stand in their yard and driving by in the neighborhood and throwing them candy, like a parade or something, you know, they're going to find a way people are going to, you know, they're, they're going to celebrate in their own way. Well, I thought it was interesting that, uh, as soon as we got closer to, you know, September and all that, and it, it became more evident that, you know, COVID's not going anywhere and the social distancing is really a factor leave it up to the Halloween MacGyvers to figure out a way. All of a sudden you start seeing these uh, candy shoots pop up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was interesting. I was telling our friend uh, Billy about it long before you started seeing these things on the internet. I told him, I was like, you know, I had a dream. You know, I, I, I know how to do it. I'm going to build a monster with a candy shoot, you know, and then, they can still socially distance and the kids can trick or treat and everything's fine. 
And then it just starts popping up all over the internet. So apparently everybody had the same dream at the same time, which is great because, Maybe. you know, Halloween will find a way. Oh, it will. Yeah, it'll find a way to, you know, to survive and, and overcome anything, you know. It's, it's a powerful force. And you have a uh, penchant for uh, clowns. I do. Uh, it was it was kind of there. There's a couple reasons that the clown thing was born for me. I uh, I was of course a huge fan of Captain Spaulding from the, the Rob Zombie movies, and a huge fan of Sid Haig. Which here in a couple days we're approaching the one year anniversary of his passing, and uh, I know we were we both got to see him there right right towards the end. And, right there uh, for his uh, last birthday. His 80th birthday party, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that there's, you know, there's still a hole uh, in the horror community that there are some folks trying to fill it because he was such a kind man and such a, a generous man and, and a charitable man. So there are some folks trying to fill that that void that he left. But anyhow, uh, so, you know, big fan of, of Captain Spaulding and just the attitude that he brought to clowns. So I was going to a zombie walk. And I figured, you know, I have a penchant for, for doing makeup. I've been a makeup artist for many years and do special effects and things like that. And I thought, what can I do that will actually scare people at a zombie walk? Because zombies aren't going to scare them. But everybody's afraid of clowns or a good chunk of people are afraid of clowns. So I made a zombie clown and it was a hit. So I just kept, you know, kind of refining it and refining it. I actually got to portray the zombie clown that's heavily based on Captain Spaulding uh, to Sid Haig at ZombieCon one year. And he really enjoyed it. And I uh, got some good compliments from him and from uh, Tom Savini on the makeup job and the, the idea. They asked me why I did it and all that. And then it just kind of became a character for me. And I started getting requests. Hey, will you show up at you know my kid's birthday party? Or will you show up at this event? And I said, I'm not a kid's clown. And so <laughs> we don't we don't want a kid's clown. <laughs> we want you. And a, uh, a, a punk rock band that used to be around Omaha, I showed up at one of their shows in this outfit. And they named my clown Tweaky. Because they said, God, you look like a tweaker. Because I got sores all over my face. And so they named him Tweaky. And that kind of stuck. So yeah, Tweaky's not a very nice clown. <laughs> sometimes he talks. Sometimes he doesn't. I don't know which one is more unnerving. But uh, he's kind of a cross between uh, Captain Spaulding and Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre as far as personality-wise. And just an all-around not-nice guy, but it's a blast to do. It's a blast to see. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun to just to you know play on those, those fears and phobias and uh, kind of get in people's heads because... I don't have to do much and people will be terrified because their own mind is thinking, what is this guy going to do to me? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do anything. You know, I'm going to talk a lot and, you know, be in your face or pop up where you don't expect me. And it, it works. So now Tweaky is, uh, he's kind of a, a requested character in a lot of places. And, and he's starting to get name recognition at the, the haunted house that I work at. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool when you see something that 
was just kind of a one-off, hey, let's do this, you know, see how it goes. And now it's people know who it is. Oh, yeah. When something comes out of that nugget of a head of yours and then it takes off and has a life of its own. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of where we are with this podcast. It just started as an idea of, you know, I wanted a place to talk about horror. And here we are, and October is my one-year anniversary. I didn't think I'd make it that far. Oh, yeah, that's awesome, you know. Congratulations on, you know, getting that one year. And it's, uh, you know, it's nice to have a place just to be yourself, kind of. Like you said, you, you let your Halloween freak flag fly and just, you know, do your thing. Talk about what you love. Talk about your passions. And if you're passionate about it, chances are somebody else is too. Yeah. And it, you're gonna, they're going to listen and it's going to – your passion is going to convey and that may, that's what makes it fun to – to listen that's what makes a successful podcast oh yeah you just go out you have fun do what you want to do and let everything else come natural yeah yeah it's got to be natural it's got to be you know just just let it flow you know, and, and yeah this started because you know you, you listen to different podcasts and you watch movies and there wasn't really a place to go and bullshit about horror movies you know i mean something comes out like okay for instance today we're going to talk about pet cemetery where do you go talk about that in this case here with me you know yeah i, I created created my own medium and i find people to talk about it with me because yeah. damn it i want to talk about it <laughs> good deal i want to talk about it too so there's Pet Cemetery, the movie and book that almost wasn't, because Stephen King almost didn't publish the manuscript. Uh, it was too bleak. He, he just didn't like that there was like nowhere, it, you know, it just ended. You know, and yes, listeners, sorry, spoilers. If you haven't watched this, the original at this point, I'm, I don't know what you're watching. Yeah, that, what, that came out in 89 or something like that? It came out before I was born. Yeah, I got I think it was in '89, I believe. Okay, after, slightly after I was born. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was that high school movie for me that you know, or junior high, where everybody got together and oh my god, let's watch Pet Cemetery. Yeah. And it was. I'm not kidding you. It was the scariest shit, you know, for a long time. It was. It was my our scary movie in high school, in junior high, because there was nothing really like it. Well, and it was one of the better made uh, Stephen King TV movies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. I I have to admit, I own the book. I never read the book. I've only made it halfway through the book. <laughs> yeah, I read it. Um, I I know the premise of what it was, and a lot of people you know, talk about. Oh, the book's so much better. Well, the reason the book's so much better is because you can make up your own story and your own visuals in your head. And they're never going to measure up to anything that any, you know, screenplay writer or director or I don't care who they have doing the, the visual effects and the special effects. Your, your imagination is, you know, a thousand times better. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, of course, it's not going to match up to the book. But... I thought that they did a, a damn fine job on the original. Um, we'll talk about the, 
the rest of the, you know, the remake and all that later. But uh, I, I people complain about everything. So take it for what it is. It's a damn good movie. It is. I mean, you had Fred Gwynn as uh, Judd, who you know most people know as Herman Munster, who is taken completely out of the Herman Munster role. And, you know, you have him as essentially the redneck neighbor. Yeah, and almost the, uh, he almost has the, the role of, of storyteller. He's the, he tells the fable. He tells the. I say he's the driving force for the movie. Yeah, he, he's a supporting character, but the driving force, like you said. Uh, and I, fantastic. I, you know. I couldn't think of anyone else that would have been more perfect for that role just because of the way that he, I mean, he kind of, uh, is very, very, um, emotive. You know, he, he's very expressive. So the expressions, uh, he, he has that just natural kind of slow drawl to his uh, voice, Mm -hmm. which lends really well to the character. He almost is a a sympathetic, you know. You you almost feel for him. You know, he's been by himself. Uh, you you kind of want to be his buddy. You know what I mean? Regardless of what he does, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and then you have probably the creepiest thing of the whole movie is Gage. This little. What would you say? One and a half, two years old. Yeah, yeah. Uh, kids are creepy, anyways. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't have kids. <laughs> I do, yeah. and they're obnoxious. But <laughs> I couldn't imagine reanimated children. No, no. I yeah. It's, I I can't. I, I have trouble imagining being around kids uh, all the time on a full time basis. And I I like kids. Don't get me wrong, but I like kids when they go home too. So you, you're like everybody's favorite uncle. You're like, oh, okay, I like you. Get out, go. Like you, know, I'll paint your face. I'll make you a zombie. I'll make you a princess zombie if you want. But you're going home. So the original opens with you know pan shot of the graveyard, and you know voiceover with all the different sayings on the. Uh, not really headstones, I guess, markers that would be. Yeah, like a homemade marker that they would have. You know, which I thought was kind of cool because you got to hear a lot of the epitaphs that the, <laughs> the kids left. The little poems. And, and, you know, yeah. like, here lies Biffer, he's a hell of a sniffer, you know, mm-hmm. and different things like that. And even that was, it was still kind of a dark opening. A little humorous with the poems, but it started just, dark and the kids voices the different kids voices talking about their dead pets yeah you know just uh kind of off-putting in all you know it just it just puts you in a weird frame of mind like you start i know for me i might start thinking of one of my former pets and like oh man what you know yeah i know where he's at Kind of, you know, he's behind one of the trees or under one of the trees out here. But to have a place like that where all the neighborhood kids, you know, all that sorrow and all that death. And then you start thinking about your own 
It really gets you in your head. Centralized in one spot. I mean... You know the place is going to be haunted, for Christ's sake. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for kids to actually put together a cemetery, that's just... That's odd. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is very very much an adult uh, construct. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you wonder, you know, like you're talking... How did this come to be? How did, you know, who started this thing? And, and why is it in a circle? And why is it, you know, there's a lot of unknowns and it plays very well to set the mood, I think. Yeah, it's, there, it's it starts creepy. And you're right. There's a lot of just unanswered questions right off the bat that you're thinking, okay, maybe as the movie progresses, you'll get answers. You don't. But... Maybe. <laughs> Basically, like, they throw it out there, and it's like, this is a pet cemetery. Well, who did it? How did it happen? It's a fucking pet cemetery. Just take it for what it is. We got a story to tell. The older ones are in the center. Got it. That, that means something, okay? <laughs> it's like a giant tree. <laughs> <laughs> Count the rings. That's how old it is. You know, it's like, okay, cool. You know, and then the Creed family buys, interestingly enough, they buy the farm, uh, which is a nice way of how the movie ends, considering they buy the farm. (laughs) Um, You know, they start and end the movie with buying the farm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everything's happy and and cheerful. Semi-truck. You know, little foreshadow of, oh, shit, we're living on a busy road. Uh-huh. With no fences. You know, and it's just like, okay, that should be your first clue that you need to maybe, I don't know, put up a fence. Yeah. And why was fucking something. Yeah. But, no. No, no, we're, we're, we're going to leave it. We're... It'll be fine. Yeah, no, nothing bad will happen. Uh, you almost wonder because uh, Judd kind of mentions that. You know, there's a lot of death on this road. Yeah. Who would, you know, is there not, a, is there some kind of neighborhood covenant that there can't be a fence along this road? Is, you know, what? Why? Or because having, Judd doesn't have a fence either. No, Judd doesn't have it. He has like a, a split rail fence. You know, not anything that's going to hold an animal or anything in. So yeah, it's like nothing to protect anybody from these semis that are just blaring down the road. And isn't it either on a? hill or a curve or something where they can't see what's it's like right yeah it's like right after a hill so it's like you'd crest the hill and just a boom there it is there it is so yeah it's it's the perfect recipe for disaster yeah but we're not gonna worry about you know keeping anybody in the yard okay perfect place to raise kids yeah let's not put up one of those radar things that you know will remind people that they shouldn't be speeding through here either you know Speed zones obviously were not enforced in. Uh, I no. don't even know if they had a town name in the first one. I don't remember. Uh, I think it was. 
I think it was still Ludlow. Was it still Ludlow? Yeah. I'm also curious as to how many people died in that house before. Because Judd had made the comment, it's nice to see people in that house again. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do people just voluntarily move? Or do they get hit by the trucks and they just say, fuck it, we're out? Or I'm, I'm wondering if maybe the haunted ground there chases them out, you know, the, yeah. the haunted ground. And then it's kind of a legend. Nobody knows, you know, or everybody knows about it. But then this new doctor comes into town. He needs a house and Hey, there's a house. And everybody's like, Oh, we need a doctor. And that house needs to be sold. So everybody, it's like, it's a, give it to the new guy. No, give it to the new guy. He'll live there with his family and cat. And then the cat dies. Yeah. Poor cat. And then everything goes downhill. And, the, you know, I mean, this is when they say, you know, th- this this is the sometimes dead is just better. This is when we find out about the hidden burial grounds and all that stuff that were alluded to by the, uh, by uh, Pascal, the kid who got his head drugged by the uh, truck. Yeah. And... Again, not really any background on that. It's just this guy got hit by a truck. Bring him in here. And he says something and then, you know, says a a strange message and dies. Yeah. That's not a good first impression for the new doctor in town. No. (laughs) I'm here to help you. What? I'm here to help you, but this guy got hit. My first patient died. (laughs) Hooray! You're a hero. (laughs) But you don't really know, I mean, not that you really need to know anything about the guy, but maybe show the accident. Maybe, you know, show him riding his bike or walking down the street getting hit by the car, you know? Was he out on that damn road too? Yeah. I mean, that's what, I think there should be a little bit more, but maybe, maybe not having that information Lens, you know, lens of the story and the mystique. You know, and if these trucks are killing all these pets and people, how come nobody in the town has asked? I mean, I understand this is big business for the town, but normal towns would ask these businesses to leave at this point if if they're causing all this blatant death. Or at least put up a fucking speed bump. Something. I mean... <laughs> In the realm of normalcy here, some this wouldn't have gone just la la la. Oh, another one dead. Another yeah. one dead. New death. No, something would have happened. There would have been a town hall meeting. Something. Yeah, there there, there would have been meetings. Somebody would have been complaining. Uh, Fines would have been issued. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there there would have been some better law enforcement. Uh, you know, something. Maybe one of those children at play signs, at least. Something. But yeah, I mean, they just, nope. We're going to let them be because they bring big business. Okay. Okay. They're paying something off. Want to know what they were trucking. (laughs) Now, the first movie doesn't really talk about it. The book does, and we'll get into this more in the second one, but, um, well, the remake, not the second one, but it, the 
place where Gage gets buried is haunted by the spirit of the Wendigo. Yeah, and that was a question that I always had at the beginning, the, the first one. What was that story? And I mean, I've I've gotten some answers, and and like you said, the remake touches on it. That needs to be a movie. Oh yeah, that needs to be the you know kind of the the one that ties everything together. What? It's haunted. I know they did say it was like a native burial ground up there. Um, and then they quit using it because the ground went sour. Yeah, like the Wendigo chased away, you know, the the uh, spirit of the Wendigo chased away the, I think it was the Mimac tribe. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I want to see that story. There's a good documentary, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's on Amazon. No, it was on Shudder. Uh, it was on Shudder. It was the first thing I watched on Shudder. It's a Pet Cemetery documentary. And they got everybody back together. They even got the guy driving the semi-truck back together with the cast. And they they touch on it there some, but still it doesn't give an ex- a satisfying explanation of why is that ground so enchanted why is that ground haunted now? And why do these things, why did the ground go south? Well, and that's an issue I've noticed Stephen King has a lot. He he puts out really good ideas, but then he doesn't really explain it on, you know, th- th- there's, and this happens in a lot of his uh, books and movies to where he'll throw something out there that like the, Wendigo chasing away everything and turning the turning the land sour and now the burial grounds possessed. It sounds really cool. It makes a great story uh, piece of story. But why? Mm-hmm. Um, because now if you look at where because I, I, like I know one complaint about Stephen King is he has issues sticking the landing when it comes to his books. You know, his his, his endings always kind of just fall flat. Now, if... He's coming down off of his cocaine. <laughs> something. <laughs> um, if, if he could have figured out and laid out why the ground was sour and what the Wendigo was doing he might have been able to come up with a better ending for Pet Cemetery, and been happier with it himself. Right. You know, because he himself said there's no ending for this. Everyone's dead. That's the ending though. You, you know? know, I mean, and he, you know, and that's why he didn't want to put it out because there was just, there's nowhere to go. Well, now like you take Okay, take it. Defeat Pennywise. That's you know, that's where you go with that story. Conversely, you figure out a way. If you could figure out what what power the Wendigo has over this land, beat the Wendigo, beat you know, take strip the power. The land's neutral. That's a better ending than just, oh, we're walking around dead. 
killing off the entire cast. Yeah, and that would that would be a great role for for Judd to take on. Yeah, you know, kill off the Creed family, and then let Judd be the hero. I've seen enough of this over the years. Here's what I'm going to do, and go defeat the Wendigo. Yeah, that would have been a cool. Yeah, that would have been a cool ending. You know, and just change it up a little bit because I mean, throughout the whole thing, you think okay. And you could even played it out the way it played out most of the way, where you're like, okay, this guy's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just flip it. And, you know, he ends up not dying, and he defeats the power. That, I think, would have made an awesome ending to this story. Instead of, okay, in Pet Cemetery, you know, in the original Pet Cemetery, we have Dead Son who I know it was supposed to be heart-wrenching and just that gut punch when the kid died the second time, but I couldn't help myself from laughing because... (laughs) I'm laughing now thinking about it. (laughs) When uh, Lewis was fighting Gage... After, you know, he was reanimated, uh, he hits him with that uh, sedative or, God, what is it? What was it? The knockout drug or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Gage starts to walk away. He's like, no fair. No fair. Right into the wall. And just done. It's just like. You know, I mean, it, you know, and it, it should have had that heart wrenching. Oh no, he had to take out his son moment, but instead it turned into like this comedic, just like a dying robot style. Just (laughs) the batteries were dying. I just, no fear. (laughs) I have a moment like that during this movie. And I have to warn people before they watch it with me. I am going to laugh uncontrollably at a very inappropriate time. I cannot help it. And then when the tire swing breaks, I laugh my ass off. And Brady's like, that was it. That was not it. When Gage gets hit by that semi and that little white shoe is tumbling across the concrete, I laugh my ass off every time. I do not know why. I don't think dead kids are funny. You know, I don't think it's something to laugh about, but that the way they portrayed it just makes me lose my shit every time. And people do. They think that I'm such an ass because I laugh at that. But, you know, it's the, the buildup to it where everybody's watching this kid go towards the road and they're screaming, get the baby. And Judd's stumbling over himself trying to get to the baby. And everybody is just bumbling getting after this kid and the Ramones are playing, which is awesome. Yes. You know, the, the the truck driver is distracted by Sheena is a punk rocker, which is a great tune. And he, he hits. And I mean, it's just that visual of that little white shoe tumbling across. the country. It's, it's the way the death was portrayed. It's so hokey. It's trying to be dramatic, but it comes across as just comical to me. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe both shoes or some, 
A blood splatter. Something like yeah, a bloody shoe. I mean, yeah. that might make it funnier for me though. I think. But no, I I, I understand because yeah, it's just you see this shoe tumbling across the screen. You're just like, well, shit. Um, is he alive? Yeah, he knocked him out of his shoe. I mean, knocked his socks off. Maybe left the foot still in the shoe. Maybe that's the solution. Something. I mean, there was no real stakes there. I mean, the shoe was wasn't even scuffed. No, it, it was, was just this clean shoe that they like threw across the street. All right, action. Huh. Yeah. Baby has a clean white shoe, especially they, going through that damn field. That's right. You know the other part that I I laugh at, I find very comical, is when they get into the into a fight at the funeral, and the coffin falls and the little arm pops out. <laughs> I think that's fucking hilarious. And it's you know it's supposed to show the the family divided and the grandfather is blaming the father for the the death of the child. But to have a fight and knock a little bitty casket on the ground and have his little arm pop out, it's like, really? Well, yeah. that, that was another thing. It was like, how fucked up is this family? You, you have the grandfather calling the dad, you know, baby killer. And now this this grandpa has his own issues with within his family. Oh, yeah. We haven't touched on that yet. You know, but he can sure call out, you know, the mistake of, you know, the no fence. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, every, they were all bumbling to try to get to Gage to stop him from going out in that street. They just kept walking and tripping over each other. Yeah, yeah. And the mom just sat there and screamed. Because the mom's a fucking nut job. <laughs> uh, which leads us to the issues in, in Grandpa's family. Uh, mm-hmm. He left her home alone as a kid with her dying sister. And she never dealt with it. The and most terrifying character in modern horror, I believe. Zelda. Yeah. Zelda's creepy as shit. Yeah. In both and iterations. I I thought the, the original, they dealt with Zelda in a much better fashion. And they portrayed her just absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And it has always made me wonder, is that, I, I think I know the answer, but is that the way she actually looked? Because she, she was suffering from meningitis, was it? Yeah, like spinal meningitis. Now, is that the way she actually looked? Or is that the way that that the sister envisioned her? Yeah, I don't know. You know, because I think that that was the, the sister's interpretation because you were looking at her memories. Yeah. And I think that was her interpretation of what her sister actually looked, you know, looked like. And, or, you know, and, and she felt that she was a burden and she felt that she was being put basically in charge of her dying sister mm-hmm. and her, you know, people that have these maladies and people that are, that are dying, they do look a little scary, but if you're a kid 
and you're under all that pressure, they probably look a lot scarier. So I think that that was her interpretation of what that sister looked like. And it was utterly terrifying. Oh, it was. Scariest. I, I still think one of the scariest characters in modern war. All right. And since we're uh, dissecting character and character depictions, is Elia psychic? It, it's possible because she either that or they always say kids are more open to paranormal. I think that uh, Pascal visited her to try to warn her. And because he, if you notice, he tried to warn the mom over and over and over. Yeah. And the mom, it, right, right towards the end, she did finally pick up on it. But he visited the mom a couple of times and didn't get any, didn't get anywhere. So he went to the kid and the kid was like, boom, it's that guy. It's that guy that daddy helped. His name's Pascal. And he said that, you know, daddy's going to do something bad. So I think she was, I think she was just more open to the, the paranormal. It's like, cause it was just interesting. The, well, I had a dream that church died. You know, and then later oh, it was, yeah. you know, I, I had a dream that, you know, she she's sitting here terrified that, you know, she had a dream that her mom died. That's right. I it's, Yeah, that's a good question. Is she a psychic? The thing is, she's still alive. Yeah. In the first movie. She's at the grandparents' house still because the mom left without her. You know, so it's like, hmm. And they don't, they never go back and touch on Ellie in no. the original. No, they don't. So it's like, well, shit. Yeah, she's just at her grandpa's house now. Probably in an insane asylum. <laughs> hooked up, hooked on lod, laudium. Lod, yep. lod, laudium. Um, but yeah, that's Pet Cemetery, the, the, the original Pet Cemetery. I mean, let me ask you this. Did it have any lasting effects on you that, like, last you know that, that still survived to this day? Are there is there anything that that movie triggers in you to this day? Not so much triggers, but leaves you with the question. It still leaves you with the what if? Like, apparently, I didn't get the message of the movie that said don't try to bring things back to life let things die yeah. yeah you know i am that guy that is like well what if there were this place you know mm -hmm. i would be that guy who would you know bury my pet or a loved one in that uh sour ground yep just, just to have a little bit more time that's really what pet cemetery left me with was well what if a place like this really existed you know, would I do that? And the more I think about it, yeah, I I would. No matter how many times I've watched this movie and have seen the outcomes and know that no good can come of it, I would, there's a 99% chance I would still do it. Yeah, I'd have to agree. You know, so... Something that it left me with, well, for a few things it's left me with. Um, I uh, I love the scene where they ask 
Has anybody ever buried a person up there? And Judd just like chokes on whatever he's eating or drinking. And he says, Christ on his throne. No, <laughs> I don't lie. Um, but the biggest thing, and this was the only part of the movie I had seen for about a year. This is the only scene that I had ever watched. And I don't even remember how I saw it, where I saw it. It was on TV. Um, and it was just a clip. But it's when uh, Gage slices Judd's Achilles tendon with a scalpel, And he falls down. Gage was under the bed. To this day, I will not hang my feet off of the bed. Because of that. As soon as I do it, I, I immediately pull my legs back up. And they're... They're not necessarily under the covers, but they're not dangling off the bed. I can promise you that. And it's because of Gage. It did leave me with an interesting throwdown. I, I do want to see Gage versus Chucky in a ultimate uh, knife fight. That'd be awesome. I know I was I was down at uh, the Texas Frightmare Weekend Convention, and I met uh, Miko Hughes, who plays Gage. And I told him, that you know his that that film was is one of my top favorite horror movies and i asked him i said at, at that young of an age is there anything that scared you or scarred you from making it because i mean that's a pretty intense role for a yeah. kid and he honestly said that he doesn't remember he was so young he doesn't remember making the movie that much uh he said that they made it more of a playtime pretend type atmosphere. And they, he said that as far as he can recollect, they showed him everything that he was going to be exposed to with his parents right there before he saw it. So they didn't get any real reaction from him. And uh, but he said he had no recollection of, of the film. You know, really. So, it's kind of funny to me. I mean, he's been in some other some other films, and it's kind of funny to me that one of his most famous roles and one of the roles that everybody knows him for, he doesn't remember. Yet we give him forty bucks for to sign a picture of something he doesn't remember. It's probably good he doesn't remember. I yeah, I think maybe he's got some blocking going on there. I, I'd uh, imagine a life of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just found that interesting, you know. Something that you would think, you know, very traumatic. And I mean, I've been on some, some movie sets and I've been on, on some, some things where as an adult, I see things and it's like, Oh my God, that's, I know it's fake, but damn. Yeah. You know, and it, it takes you a little time to kind of process the, this isn't real. I can't imagine being a little kid and being in that situation. No. A movie that terrified generations and being a you know three three years old or whatever and being on the on the set it's amazing oh i know so listeners we're gonna throw this over to uh our friend otis the uh critter getter to uh share a story about about a reanimated squirrel and when we come back we're gonna talk about the pet cemetery remake so we'll be right back. It's time for a bunch of nonsense, BS, and hogwash. Hey, y'all got a minute? With Otis, the Critter Getter. Sounds like a bunch of donkey dust to me. Howdy, y'all. 
It's your old pal Otis, the critic dinner from Dr. Sanguinary's Creature Feature. Want to talk to you for a minute about reanimated critters. You see, this one time I was sitting out there under the old shade tree, drinking me some sweet tea, and this little squirrel fell right at my feet. And I looked down at him there and figured probably touch that hot wire that runs into the trailer and got himself electrocuted, and I felt so bad for him, so I wanted to treat him with a little dignity, so I figured I'd take him up and bury him up there on the hill with all the other critters. I throwed him in an old McDonald's bag and jumped in the pickup truck, and off we went. Got about halfway up the hill and heard this rustling in the McDonald's bag there on the floorboard. So I kind of opened it up and took a peek inside. Well, that old squirrel, he'd become reanimated, and he jumped out of the bag and latched onto my neck and was scratching me all up. So I was wrestling with him, trying to get him off my neck, and finally got him pulled off, and he bit me right on the nipple. Darn near bit it off. I could have been killed or even worse. So I was pulling on him, trying to get him off my nipple, and he run right down the front of my bib overhauls, and I was scared because I'd already been bitten, scratched, and now it was in my drawers, and I, I wanted to get him out of there. I didn't need no further battle damage. So I jumped out of the truck and started shaking my leg and dancing around trying to get him out of my britches. And, well, that's about the time the police showed up because apparently I forgot to put the truck in park when I jumped out. and It had uh, run down through the fence there and was parked right there and Miss Jensen's uh, prize petunias in her flower bed. She wasn't none too happy about that. And, well, the old squirrel had fallen out of my pant leg and run off, and so the cops didn't believe me when I told them that I had me a zombie critter in my drawers. And Well, they, uh, they arrested me again, took me to jail, and well, metal metal came bailed me out, and, and she saw all them scratches on my neck and them bite marks on my nipple. And, well, she wasn't believing no story about an undead rodent, so she throwed me out for a few days and had to go down and sleep on my pickup truck. It was still parked right there on Miss Jensen's prize petunias. And she wasn't none too happy about me sleeping there in the back of the truck neither, so... Had a lot of time to think while I was there, and I, I think that uh, I think that this squirrel wasn't reanimated at all. I, I think he leaned over a little too far when he was trying to grab some nuts in that tree and fell out and bonked himself on the head real good. And I think he's just knocked out cold. That's why he's so pissed off when he woke up. <laughs> Zombie critters. I suppose if you see a zombie critter and you're pretty sure it's a zombie critter and he's after you, maybe uh, maybe bunk him on the head with a shovel real good and, and just get the hell out of there. I don't think zombie critters can run, but I don't know because apparently I ain't never seen one and I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs>
be sure to log on to CreatureFeatureTV.com and check out all the news with Dr. Sanguinary's Creature Feature. We'll see you next time. That was Otis the Critter Getter from Dr. Sanguinary's Creature Feature, and you can catch him and, uh, of course, the doc every Sunday on CreatureFeatureTV.com. So, the remake of uh, Pet Cemetery. I forgot what movie we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that Otis guy, he can distract yeah, just a little bit. He, I don't know. He, he, he's something else, man. Yeah, he's he's quite a quite a character. So it's almost a shot for shot remake. Very close. There, there's a few changes. Um, as we mentioned in the first part, uh, they kind of dive a little bit more into the Wendigo part. Uh, where they're actually, like, Lewis is actually researching, you know, what the Wendigo is and all of that, where it's not just the, oh, that's haunted by the Wendigo. You know, he's actually looking in to see, you know, what what's the Wendigo? What happened on these grounds? I mean, he's actually, he's doing legit research to see what happened in this area. Judd had a scrapbook or something, didn't he? I say Judd had a the the town scrapbook of everything that one that they that they they dealt with it with the scrapbook in this in this movie. In the original, it was Judd recounting how he had buried his dog up there, uh, how uh, they had buried the, the the boy that came back from the war. Yep. And they didn't go into any of that in the, the remake that I remembered. No, they focused more on the uh, shift, which was the directors wanted to change it up a little bit and have Ellie be the victim. I liked that. I did too. And their reasoning makes sense because they wanted to go with the older child because it'd be creepier because they could actually express what they're thinking and you know they could talk about and just dive into that creepy dead character a little bit more than like yeah gage dead gage was creepy and he developed this insane vocabulary in the first one yeah um but then you have Ellie in the remake who goes from this very happy-go-lucky girl to a very high daddy. Just that classic uh, slasher-style character. Almost like a, a soulless, yeah, you know, emotionless character. And it, it, you know, it, it bites, you know, it gives it a little bit more teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Like you said, she can express herself. They established early on that she didn't fully understand the concept of death. Yeah. 
because they had to explain church and that she's not ready to learn about death yet. And then she gets killed on her birthday. She gets killed at her birthday party. That, I mean, I think that added another layer of real kind of gut punch to it. Yeah. The one thing I didn't like about the whole thing, I like the remake. I have to separate the remake from the original and say this is a different movie. But they gave away the twist in the trailers and the previews. Yep. They should have never done that because I knew it was, I, that was the biggest twist of the whole thing because they set it up to look like Gage was going to get hit by the semi. And when the father pulls him away and the semi jackknifes, you think, oh, good. It's not going to happen right now. Oh, shit. Ellie was in the road. Yeah. You almost forget about that. Uh, even when I rewatched it, I say, even I, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, good. He saved Gage. Oh, oh Ellie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, and I'm trying to think, did they, did they have one of her shoes on the road? I want to say they did. Say, I think, I, they she, did, I think they did the shoe thing. Yeah. She was laying off to the side of the, of the road, but I think her shoe was still on the road. There were little nods to people that had seen the original. And some of them were, we acknowledge that you know that this is supposed to happen here. So we're going to give it to you. But then we're going to take it away and give you something else. And I have to say, those are the two cleanest deaths I have ever seen with somebody getting hit by a semi. Yeah. Yeah. Look at, you know, like, look at the death in uh, Devil's Rejects where the girl gets run over by a semi. She... It's a gut pile. She's gone. These two kids, they just get hit, bounce, clean the fuck off. Kids are pretty resilient. I can say that. Their their bones aren't fully, uh, you know, they're not fully formed. They're a lot of, of, of cartilage. So uh, I'm talking on my ass. I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess maybe there is a little truth to I am rubber, you are glue. Whatever you say bounces off me, sticks to you. <laughs> it applies to semis, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one issue I had with both movies. It was, you couldn't, a little more blood, a little, you know. Well, and I like that you didn't. Pull an eyeball out. (laughs) You know, you didn't see Ellie. You saw her laying over there, but they didn't go show you. Yeah. You know, how messed up she was. They let you discover it as she discovered it, where she found the staples in her head. Yeah. And it's like, oh, what is this? And when she's recounting, you know. I remember my birthday party, and then I remember that I saw church in the road. Then I remember there's a semi, but then I don't remember anything after that. Am I Am dead? I, and it's like, no, 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 you're not. You're no, not you're dead. not dead because you're here. Um, you were dead. Uh, how do you explain that? You know, I mean, they skipped over a, a very, I think, a very uh, tender and endearing exchange as well between Ellie and her father when he says that you know church is going to go to the doctor and she says he's going to get his nuts cut out <laughs> uh, they didn't really touch on much about church in the first first film they did this one is like this is church he's our cat and now our cat is dead yeah I mean like for the remake you had to know, okay, the cat 
the, the cat's going to die. The cat's going to get buried. The cat's coming back. But we're going to focus on the family. Yeah. You know, whereas in the original, yeah, it was very much that cat got a lot of airtime. Yeah, that cat was a story in the first one up until the point he died. Then he became a vehicle to tell that the story yeah. of Jim Carrey. Um, I, I loved just a little thing they did. They showed you the end of the film in the remake at the beginning. Mm-hmm. They showed you the end of the film. Then they went to the beginning of the film. And then they came back and showed you the end again. I say, and then finished the film. Yeah. yeah finished the film. Um, now, the little parade they put in. Brilliant. Creepy. Oh, that was creepy as shit. Loved it. Yeah, and yeah, I mean that that's how we're introduced to the cemetery in this one is Ellie's playing and there's this parade of kids and masks with I think a black lab and a wagon. Mm-hmm. And they had a dr- like a drum and yeah, at, at doing a funeral procession. Yeah. Through their property. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that was great, and that's how I discovered the pet cemetery, rather than Judd saying, "Hey, come on down here, let me show you something." Then that's also how we end up meeting uh, Judd, which I think uh, Lithgow played brilliantly. He did, and I was ha- I would I was having trouble accepting him at first as Judd, but then he endeared himself. But then I I think personally, I think he gets a little too creepy towards the end where he's talking about how Ellie was the first person to touch his heart in a long time. And I think he, I think he got a little too creepy on that. Um, and I don't think he meant to, but for me, just the way that he was, you know, Ellie, that's the first kid that they're the first person that's touched my heart since my wife died and all that. It's like, um, tiptoe lightly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. This could, this could turn in a hurry and, and I'm not going to like it. Um, but then he he met his death a, much of the same way, but it was more brutal, I think. It was. Where just, she just stabbed and stabbed. But I like the original death where he actually got cut, his mouth cut and all that. I'd say he got, uh, oh God, what's that called? The uh... Glass Cow Smile? Is that yeah, the the Glasgow smile. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, it was very. It was like it was a minimalistic death, but it was powerful. Whereas in the remake, he just gets slaughtered. Oh yeah. You know, the, there's always the comparison of, you know, which is better. Well, there's really no marker to compare it to because you can't compare this movie to the original movie because one was made for TV one was a big budget uh, theater release so do you compare them to the book well not really I mean like you said before you can't capture what your imagination is going to put out Your imag- what you imagine is happening in that page isn't what you know, I'm imagining no, pe- right. no two people are going to imagine the same thing so you have to look at the two movies on their merits and I think merits alone, these both of these movies are two stellar movies of their times. Absolutely. And 
I think 20 years from now, somebody is going to be sitting down talking about the Pet Cemetery remake with the same reverence that we talk about the original Pet Cemetery. I can see that. It's very rare that I like a remake, and I like both of them. Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe not equally, because the original has a special place. Yeah. But I... I do enjoy both of them. I think they both uh, tell the story well. And I think, they, yeah, they both have a, a good, solid place in, you know, in any horror discussion. So, and the remake was handled very well. I wish Pascal would have gotten the same amount of airtime that he got in the first one. Yes. Um, because it, like, if you go back and watch the original, and, well, like we did, original and remake at the same time, you realize Pascal got a lot more, was a lot more helpful mm-hmm. in the original than he was in the remake. You know, he just pops up a couple times in the remake, and that's it. Whereas, in the original, he really was the hand that guides throughout after his death. Yeah, yeah, he well, he uh, guides the mother back home. Mm-hmm. He, uh, you know, helps her get a car. He helps her get uh, a ride, and all that. Yeah, in the remake, he's just kind of, hey, maybe you should go check this out, type of thing. Yeah, I mean, they they downplay him so much. I mean, that that is one of my biggest issues with the remake was they just they underutilized that character. Yeah, I agree. Um, but other than that, I, I do highly recommend watching the remake, which is like, like we talked about before recording, it's streaming like everywhere right now for free. So there's no reason you can't watch it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if you haven't seen the original, grab that and watch it too. Cause it's, it's an, you know, iconic movie. Um, they're, like I said, they both have a place in, in, you know, in a horror discussion, they both have a place in, you know, your at least in your viewing, if not in your library of, of movies oh, yeah. that you keep. And and I I think the smart way, the, the smart thing that was done about it is they were they are they're, they're generational. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, we have the original. That that is our pet cemetery. Hands down. Now there's one of, I would say, equal stature for future generations. Yeah. yeah. And who knows? 20 years from now, somebody might decide to do it again. Probably. You know, so. They treat it the same way. You know, when we're old and gray, we might get to sit down and watch a third one. (laughs) You know, but it's. I'm glad that these movies are still getting looked at and they're not because I mean, there, there, there are a lot of horror movies that get made and just kind of get brushed off. And, you know, I think uh, the success of it is what helped with the success of, you know, with, okay, let's do pet cemetery. Now let's do, 
Um, yeah, I, I, I want them to do Langoliers. Uh, but that's... I'd like them to redo Needful Things because they, they dropped the ball on that one. The book is fantastic. Well, Langoliers, it was decent until they showed us the flying meatballs. <laughs> yes. Like, it was so great. I mean, you had crazy Bronson Pinchot. You, you, you had the mystery. You had the intrigue. And then just Attack of the Killer Meatballs. It's mm-hmm. like, way to drop the ball. Yeah. And they seem to do that a lot with Stephen King's work. Like, um, every time they do a uh, TV movie, like, his work is designed for big screen. I mean, well, look at The Shining. Yeah. Kubrick versus the TV movie. Now, King right. prefers the TV movie. He's Almost everybody about- else prefers Kubrick's. Yep. You know, yeah, the TV one's closer to the book. Kubrick's is more visually entertaining. <laughs> And, and they never that damn guy in the dog suit in, <laughs> in Kubrick's. And I know he's got a role in there somewhere. Yeah. Apparently it was that kind of party. Oh, Cujo. <laughs> That's an odd duck, man. Cujo, yeah. <laughs> Fun guy, but he's a... Whew. I know talking about. Oh boy. Anyway, back to <laughs> Pet Cemetery, we get I I I think for once it was a remake worth making. I agree. You know, and I I am definitely one of those that won't say that very often. Cuz yeah. I I'm firmly in the camp of why remake the, you know, good movies or even movies that are still within uh you know the last 20 30 years mm-hmm. uh when there's i mean if you're if you're going to remake a movie you can go to older movies like i wouldn't mind seeing a white zombie remake you know i think it's time yeah you know touch touch on some of those old universal and hammers uh movies and let's redo some of those maybe but this one this one was time and it fit and i actually really recommend this one (laughs) yeah i i think you know it's a it's a damn good watch um both of them are paced well if you're just a casual horror fan you may not dig them but uh I think that they're 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 universal enough that anybody that has an interest in it will at least be entertained, or at least not be upset that they watched. Well, and the other thing is they're not really gory, so they're also decent jumping off points for entry level horror movies. That's true. Yeah, you know, like if if you're looking to start in the horror genre. This is a pretty good place to start because they're not they're, they're not overly gory. They're not overly scary. They're suspenseful, but they're not that you know nail biting. Oh my god, what's gonna you know happen? That reminds me, my chief complaint with the second movie. I thought the timing was off, and what I mean was th- there's a certain rhythm to horror films where you get 
you know, you, you get the music swell and then the scare. Um, in the remake, there was, you, you got the music build up and then it was like a beat, a beat, a beat, and then the scare. You know, it just, it, it didn't follow the tempo. It just, it, it seemed off. The I think the main, I, I, and I, the, this ties into what you said. My main complaint was the, the way that they handled the sister's death. Um, she got in the laundry chute or say, you know, the, Oh yeah. That dumb waiter, the dumb waiter and fell. And that that's one place where their, their timing was off because when they did that jump scare, it was, there's something there. She looks and there's, like you said, a couple beats and then boom, there she is. And they did it twice. Once when she remembered it and once when she looked in the medicine cabinet and they, they, the timing of that was off. And I did not like the story of how the sister died. It's like, I mean, yeah, you you get so used to watching these things, you know, that timing. And I mean, okay, I understand wanting to probably wanting to change it just a hair so that it's not that predictable. Right. But then it just feels it it just feels weird because you know it's like oh what's going on oh there it is you know it it takes you out of i mean it builds you up you feel the anticipation for that jump scare which is part of the fun and then when the jump scare doesn't happen you feel let down and then when it happens late you're just like well shit i mean there it is I mean, it was supposed to come. I, Sorry. Yeah, I was waiting for it. If you have to wait to be scared, it's not going to work. Yeah, I mean, you, you you had me. You had me right there in the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. And you let it go. I'd say, you know, we've been chatting about this for, shit, almost an hour and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, when you're having a discussion, you enjoy time. Really oh, yeah. Good. Uh, so anywhere you want to direct people to find you or Tweaky or any of your other, uh, or any of the other voices in your head? Well, uh, Tweaky is on Facebook and that's it. Tweaky the clown, T-W-E-A-K-Y, the clown. Um, and he posts stuff. Tweaky Basically, uh, the character hates me, so he uh, he thinks that I shouldn't have a job. I should just let him take over all the time. So we uh, we have some issues there. We we fight on on social media. Um, also, if you didn't pick up on it, <laughs> uh, I do uh, portray Otis the Critter Getter on Doctor Sanguinary's Creature Feature. Um, you can check that out at uh, creaturefeaturetv.com there's also all kinds of uh social media outlets there and otis does have his own uh page that can be found uh through the website um but yeah and then i'm just out there doing my thing i do i do makeup i'm at misfit toys uh special effects that's m-i-z-f-i-t toys fx on facebook 
you want to see any of the movies we're working on. And then I'm everywhere, man. If somebody wants me to act or, or uh, do voice acting or makeup, I try to be there and try to help them out. So I appreciate you having me on the show. I love talking, uh, you know, movies and love talking horror. So I'm always out there. And if anybody wants to friend me on Facebook, I'm available. Mikey Taylor. I'm glad you stopped in and folks, you know where to find him and all those links will be in the episode description. And, uh, remember to head over to, uh, Moose's marvelous wood burnings and more for more information about our one year, uh, giveaway, uh, that ends in October. You can find me at electronic media com, along with other great podcasters or on Twitter at the handle moose media Inc. And, you know, like I said, Mikey, it was a blast having you come on and, you know, just bullshitting about uh, Pet Cemetery and Halloween and really getting in Jones in for the, you know, it's the, it's that time of year, man. It is. It's just going to get busier and it's, it's great. This is the kind of busy I like. Until next time, Horror Hounds, mash on. See you later. Ha, 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 ha.